welcome to This Week and Last Week in the 90s. Brought to you by Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. This week we're taking the ticket with Christian Gross, stopping Ali Deerland, John Fashionewtown and ending up with King Eric. That's more and loads more to come here on This Week in the 90s. Hey, this is Alexi Lawless and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Thank you for joining us once again, hitting that download button, subscribing, all that stuff you do very, very nicely for you. I'm here in the AK90s world with my two favourite people to talk 90s football with. Firstly, he is a writer, and you may have read a beautiful article of him today that's about somebody we're going to talk about very later on, Mr Matthew J. Christ. How are you doing? Good evening, and happy Eric Cantona Day to see you all. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And happy Des Walker Day. It's Des Walker's oh, okay. birthday today. Happy birthday, Des. Des. You'll never beat Des Walker, as they as, as, as they sang lots and lots and lots. I sang it at Wembley once upon a time. Um, joining us as well on Eric Cantona, Des Walker, Record Day, whatever day you want to call it. We call it the 26th of November. Um, he's a social media mogul, of course. He's Joel Young. How you doing, Joel? I'm all right. I'm, I, you know what? It's a question I've never, ever thought of asking before. But, Matthew, what does the J stand for? Oh, it's yeah. not Joel, is it? You're not named it, after me. No, it's, it's James. I'm afraid it's very right. boring. I'm, I'm but, um... Joel. I'm Joel Christie Jonathan, but Jonathan is spent, spelt J-O-H-N-A-T-H-E-N, which is an unusual spelling of it. But are you, are you there with the middle names, Matthew? Yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, well, Ash. Yeah, no, sorry, I'd already asked <laughs> you. You don't know mine now. I didn't, I wasn't prepared for this middle name conversation. My, I'm a Simon, my middle name. Ashley, Ashley Simon Rose, you're yeah. Acer, Acer, isn't that what you, like ASR, isn't that what we used to say on like, um, MSN chat Probably. when you first met somebody. Sounds like a ASL. In my head, it looks like some computer software company that sponsored someone in the mid nineties. Obviously, that's what. Oh, but, I, that's how yeah. my head works. But yeah, We're, I'm JCJY, talk, so it's quite. It's, it's talking it's of talking of middle names. Which one of you is the expert on England players' middle names? Is it you, Ash, or is no, it you? No, no we way. talked. To, no, we always. Everybody always says that Ivanhoe. Yeah, is Emil Hesky's Hesky's yeah. middle name. Did, did Des Walker have a classic middle name? Didn't we do one where we just mentioned everybody's middle names? In, was it the England squad where we had to Yeah, it was in England. It, England. I remember squad, you talking about we, it in we, England. We did middle names, yeah. Did yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> we definitely you did, might, yeah. I might not have been yeah, on that episode. It, de- it definitely <laughs> rings a bell with me because, uh, yeah, I was thinking whether Des Walker had a... He does. Yeah, no, we did. We did it. We'll, we'll have to go and look back into we'll that. We'll do a middle name special. Because that when I think I think it was just after, and this is going back a, a while because it was my idiot cousin on Soccer Saturday, and he hasn't been oh, yeah. a bit. But they were all slagging each other off um, over their middle names. And Peter's middle name is Sydney, which oh, yes. is I our, you saying our that, yeah. grandfather's what? middle name. Yeah, our grandfather's name is, is Sydney Young and Sydney Peter Beagrie. And luckily, I was named after other members of the family <laughs> rather than Granddad Sid. Oh, Sydney I've, Young. I've just seen I've just seen uh, Des Walker's middle name. Great name. Sinclair. There you go. That's good. Yeah. Great name. Yeah. What a great player Des Walker was. But ser- he like, was. seriously, when you, I was I was looking at him earlier, just a few highlights of his career, and I was like, especially in those Forest days. I think um, when we've had Sid Lambert on, he always puts him in whatever team we're doing, doesn't he? Whatever. Oh yeah. Squad. Press, gang, press gangs him in every every time. And but he he wasn't underrated. I don't think. I think he was just rated. He was just 
brilliant. Tilly solid, went to yeah. solid. Well, I always say this, but you know, if we'd have stayed up that, um, if Middlesbrough had stayed up that season, you know, the three-point season, the four people we were getting was um, Des Walker, Gascoigne, who we got anywhere, into we got anywhere, and uh, Romario. <laughs> Des Walker, Romario, that would have made that team perfect. What a team that would have been. Oh, yeah. I almost, I'm actually physically gutted now. All these years on, oh, that didn't happen. Janini and Romario. Oh, oh. The Premier League, and we've mentioned Janini already, but the Premier League sent out the game against uh, Liverpool. Liverpool, where yeah. we beat them 2-1 at our place uh, in 95 or 96, I think. And Barmby and Neil Cox scored. Have you talked to Neil Cox? Yet? I have. He keeps telling me he's a very busy man, which I'm sure he is, because he's well, he is. Well, assistant he, he manager must, has somewhere. He just been, uh, Wimbledon, but he must, has he just been, might he just have been... Uh, not Because County Neil Adley's... Yeah, he's Neil at County. Oh, is he at Notts County? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's at Notts County now. So how, on earth, how on earth have we gone from probably <laughs> the greatest Premier League signing of all time? No disrespect to talking about... What, well, Neil Cox? Neil Cox, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, even Des Walker, really, in fairness. But... Oh, did, did King Eric ever beat Des? That's the question. Well, I'm trying to think where... I probably uh, did, Walker, Walker, Wednesday. Walker. Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday. But then he'd, he'd sort of moved on, hadn't he, when uh, by the time Cantona reached his his world-beating powers, Walker had sort of, uh, well, he'd, he'd left. He was playing Italy, wasn't he, at the time? When, when, when did, or did he, had he come back by then? He was in, it was at Sampdoria 93, I believe. Yeah, he came back. Yeah. He was back 92, in 93. Like, yeah. 94, 95. Yeah, yeah. 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 he was at Sheffield Wednesday until 2001, which is... And then Crikey, he, and really? Then he, yeah, and then he Man. went back to Forest for a, a two-year two spell as well. So he only retired in 2004, which is obviously 14 years ago, but it doesn't sound that long ago, does it? No, but if you consider he seems to have been about since about 1973. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Matthew, I'm just going to jump straight into this. What's the best Cantona goal for Manchester United? Not the most important. What's the most mm. aesthetically pleasing one? Sundland? No, no. The, ooh. Lionel ooh. Perez, is he? But no, no, no. I'm going to... I'm going to contradict myself here because I, I wrote an article about this this week and I said that was his greatest goal. And, uh, and to me, I mean, it wasn't. It I like the one he scored away against Wimbledon in the cup. Oh, the Newton Heath. Yeah. I mean, it was a great game. It was a great day out and, uh, and all that. But it was just, I just, that to me was just the kit, the, the, the game. He would, he'd been kicked all over the park by Vinnie Jones that day. He'd been. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. I remember. I remember in that. Do you remember the old Homesdale Road away and it held about 20,000 people? I remember being packed in there at the back and people just handing cans of white lightning cider around and everyone just taking a swig and then passing it to the guy next to you and then it coming back about an hour later with a few fag butts in it and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was just a great, it was a great day and that was a great goal. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously I wouldn't put that in an article because it, it was, you know, it doesn't make it doesn't great reading. It doesn't match the narrative. No, if I was to write an article about the great games where I've drunk a can of white lightning with a fag button, then that would be... Uh, <laughs> I'd read that. That would probably be one. But, I'd read um, I suppose the Sunderland one is the one that everyone recalls, but oh, God, he scored. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll flip it around and say for you personally, was, was there one that... Yeah, I was just trying to think. I mean, you said kits, and I, it, it occurred to me that I think, other than my favourite May United kit, which is the Maple Leaf Blue Halves, the section of Eric Cantona's career, I think he wore every great Man United kit of that era. 
Yeah. And I, and I did halves. like you posting the Black Friday thing on Friday, Ash. Yeah, like, Black, yeah. Kind of in the view cam kit. The black yeah. kit, that, um, what does John Devlin call it? The tree bark kit, the blue kit that's got the really massive print of Man United's badge in, like, it's kind of wobbly. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 it's got yellow, sharps and yellow on it. Yeah, that, that was I, I never liked that kit. I thought mm. they went way the overboard with that one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I was just thinking, but goals, I mean, obviously, I hate the one at Loftus Road that was in, like, the 107th minute. That almost, well, pretty much sent us down that season. Um, We're talking of QPR. He's got a cracker at Old Trafford, which I was also. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he sort of put it. He sort of put it between someone's legs. He picked it up on the halfway line, didn't he? And sort of beat a couple of men, and then just sort of stroked it into the corner of the net. And uh, that was that was that was when he really started to win everyone over. I mean, I know obviously he didn't need to win anyone over, obviously, but he, when he came to United, he sort of people were a bit sceptical about what he was going to do or what he could do. And then he, there were a few games like that where people suddenly started to think, hang on a minute, this guy's got something about him. And I remember that that QPR game very well. Mm. Also because Mike Phelan had to man Mark... Uh, he had to mark man, uh, Ferdinand, I think, in that game. Oh, because there was, there was a crisis mismatch. in defence. Yeah, I think there was Bruce and Pallister. There was some kind of injury. Pallister probably had a bad back, as he always did then. And Bruce was probably... Suspended. I'm sure Mike Phelan had to come into the centre defence and uh, did, as he always did brilliantly, that sort of um, utility role that he was so famed for. And uh, yeah, another great goal against QPR, I'm afraid. Yeah. Did you see that video that um, Sid posted today about um, when Cantona came and there was a Man United fan who claimed that um, none of the Manchester United fans would sing Ooh, Cantona? Yeah, oh, well, that was that was quite a, a well-known. I mean, it, it, people thought he was going to be vilified because he'd come from Leeds, which was a huge rivalry then. I suppose. Isn't that is, like? Yeah. Isn't that? I mean, I would personally love it if we took well, it, I was a brilliant say his, player from Newcastle historically, or, or whatever, his, or Leeds. It, Historically, it's one of the best things you can do to a rival, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah take the best player. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, hit them for that. You, yeah, you know, you've uh, seen well, the think, light. You've done the right thing. I if think, they leave you for the greatest rival, yeah. that's another thing. We, I think he got it. Sorry, he got no. it very. I think he got it very wrong. Whoever that, whoever it was that said that, and you know, I think for that reason that he did get it wrong. I mean, he, yeah, he obviously won the league with Leeds, but I mean, he wasn't a. He was still sort of a, a bit of an in and out player at Leeds, wasn't he? As we discussed. On, on many occasions, but um, yeah, I never thought anyone would ever. He would, he, I'd never thought he'd be vilified for joining United from Leeds. I mean, you, you could go back over all, all kinds of signings that have, have, where players have, have been won over by, or fans have been won over by players who've left. For, you know, imagine if someone like Suarez had signed for United, or you know, all those kind of. Oh, imagine or, if like Tevez had signed for City, or well, yeah, and I they mean, put like a banner up in the in the city centre or something like that. It, it, it was on the road on the way, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the classic. You know, or we he can, you know, like whatever. But you know, full well if they came and played for you, that that's the ultimate. The ultimate we, one in the eye. We've all got those players that play for that have played for us at some point that you love that everybody else hates. I mean, for me, for Borough, Danny Mills jumps out. I don't know who it is. Um, well, we had Joey Barton, didn't we? So, well, there you go. There's one. Went Anthony Jones. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, no one really liked him at Loftus Road either. So, <laughs> and, and and Barton, the jury was actually always out. Um, Neil Warnock as manager because I always never really liked Neil Warnock, and then he was our manager, and I bloody loved him. Yeah, of course, it always happens. Yeah. So I'm yeah. trying to think of another. Not a ninety. We were too much of a nice team in the 1990s to have anyone like that. Um, I'm actually still thinking about Eric Cantona goals. I know we've gone off on about 17 tangents, but. Yeah. 
um, the Eric Cantona goal I'm thinking of, and I had, do you know what? I forgot about it until we did the um, the rivals episode a few weeks ago, Matthew. Um, the Arsenal one, the, the free kick. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a bullet yeah. free kick. I, I mean, there are so many and so many different. I mean, he was he was great. With the, I mean, he had a great shot. But he was brilliant in the air. He could volley. He was a good penalty taker. He was a good poacher. I mean, he it was just. I'm just saying that so... um, goal you mentioned Old Trafford against QPR. I had, I'd forgot about this goal. That's a bloody peach of a goal, isn't it? It's a great goal, yeah. I remember going, I remember going to that game and saying to my mate how I still wasn't won over by Cantona. I'm trying to think when that game was. Was it around about December, January time? Oh, it's not got a date on it this was, YouTube clip. It was around, it was, you know, it was a few months after he'd been there. And I remember yeah. saying, oh, you know what, I'm not too convinced, you know, he's... And, uh, and then he scored that goal. And I remember thinking, yeah, fair enough. I'll, uh, I'll give him that. Disclaimer. No, he, do, yeah. he is up against Darren Peacock. We're, Did he have the ponytail then? Full on, full on head of hair. Well, so. if Mike Phelan can outmark yeah. uh, Ferdinand, then maybe Darren Peacock could have done the same against Cantona, but no. obviously not. Darren Peacock, one leg longer than the other. Fact. Yeah. Craig Hignett has 11 toes. Oh, God. We're, we're rolling them all out tonight. We haven't even gone to our first <laughs> subject yet. Um, yeah. What I was going to say as well, oh, Paul Furlong was a player that when we signed him on loan from Birmingham, he was booed on his day. Well, not booed, but people weren't happy because he used to play for Chelsea. Yeah, sadly, Carly Tevez. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but he I went mean, on. I can't imagine if we, if you know, somehow buried. I can't even if we'd signed Kevin Phillips. That'd be a we great signing. <laughs> yeah. We'd have been chuffed to bits. Been what like, about yeah, um, Kevin Ball? He's Mister Sunderland, isn't he? I think if we'd have thought he was going to be all right for the team, we've yeah. certainly bought players who had played for. Sunderland and everything before. What are you typing yeah, there? That's very loud typing. Is it? Oh, <laughs> of course, yeah. My, uh, my microphone's hanging over the keyboard. Apologies. <laughs> what are you Googling? I think I was just looking for uh, cancelling our goals that I might have forgotten. Mm-hmm. I still, very... you know what? The FA Cup final one against Liverpool in it's what a was dire is What is known for being a shitty game is known for their suits. The goal, like, he oh, gets it through that crowd of yeah. players and, and there's like, Ruddock's leg is going up and it's just legs going uh, oh that'll be the ball going past then but he strikes it so sublimely yeah it really and it's kind of you know what for all the game is terrible and everybody thought it would be great and it was basically two teams who didn't want to lose the game uh, he takes it and strikes it so well it's a wonderful goal that yeah, yeah great goal I mean I in that piece I wrote today I, I mentioned I said it was a defensive mix up in the Liverpool defence which it, it, it kind of was because David James collided with Mark Wright, I think, from the corner. But like you say, there was still a hell of a lot to do because there were two or three players on the line, at least. Yeah, yeah and it went through a crowd of them, didn't it? Yeah, yeah and, it, like and he was on the edge of the it? box. Yeah, it was on the edge of the box, so he had to sort of drill it. And, you know, it was yeah, composure, he, he sort, wasn't it? Yeah, and he sort of, it, again, it was one of them, wasn't it, where he was on the sort of on the swivel, on the on the turn, and and just got on over the half it. turn. Yeah, yeah, on the half turn, and got over it, and yeah, good gear. Well yeah. done, Eric. Yeah. And of course, you know, let's. He, he did decide to uh, retire on the day after Middlesbrough oh, got beat by. I think Chelsea you've mentioned that. Cup final. I think um, you may have mentioned that. Just took away all our fun. Yeah. The, only, the last, <laughs> the last point in Cantona, because we've pretty much covered the subject. We don't need to go back to it. Obviously, 
the reason we're talking about him, if anyone doesn't know, is it's 26 years late since he signed from Leeds United. The Dennis Irwin story, we've all talked about it before. Um, what, one thing I always remember as well from the film, uh, is it Looking for Eric, which is a great film. He talks about that That is pass, a good film. That pass he does to Dennis Irwin being his favourite Man United moment, which is one of the best assists that you'll ever see. It's like from the outside of his foot and it goes through the defence, doesn't it? I can't remember. Is it against, I think that's against Sunderland as well. No, I think it was Tottenham, I think. It's Tottenham. I- yeah, I think off the top of my head, I might be wrong. I type in. You you hear me typing in a minute? Yeah. yeah, I'm just watching. Well, we put a video up on our Twitter feed this morning of his best bits, and there's some great. I'm literally watching it now. There's some great goals. There's a great goal against Chelsea. He scored. Yeah, Thumper. it was Spurs. Was Spurs. Spurs? Spurs no, I was. Yeah. I was at that game. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I was at it. I, I vaguely remember it, but yeah, just Google it. And... Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's amazing. Have I asked you this before, Matthew? Um, how many? What's your number of the grounds? I think I have asked you this before. Yeah, you did ask me, and I forgot to count them up. But I mean, it must be. Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's got to be in the sixties, I'd say. Possibly. That's, that's pretty that's, good. What? That's in that's in England, or that's all. Yeah. Over. Well, I mean, if you want to count Europe, then it might be a bit more. But then I remember saying this: we were. Um, we were saying whether we count the old ones and the new ones. I mean, if we're going to count the new ones, and I might have to start again because obviously I don't go that often. And you know what? I'm going to the game tomorrow. And in nearly 40 years of watching United, I'm going in an executive box for the first time ever. You've changed in the in the young boys <laughs> game tomorrow. And I couldn't good, be happy. No, it's good. I couldn't be happy you're if you're going to go. If you're going to get an executive box with a free bar and free food, you want it when you watch it when United are playing at the minute because there's nothing else to see. So you might as well just. Hundred percent, mate. Always, always take them if you can. Don't. I wouldn't yeah. want to do it every week, but I think oh, I, would. A, I, think <laughs> I would. I think there's a once a season treat. It's kind of quite. Well, this nice. is once. once this is what happens time. when you get older. This is what happens when you get older. Like when you're a kid, you just want to get drawn around all over the place and have a whale of a time. Then you just want a nice, comfortable seat, and now you just want to be like watching it with a prawn sandwich brigade. Well, let, let's face it. The last few years, I've been going to United games. Most of the time, I haven't been going into the ground. I've just been sat watching it in the pub and drinking. Now I'm basically now I'm basically going into the ground to sit and watch it at the, Who in they the playing? bar with the young boys. Young boys are playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll say for the moment. But, um, talking of young yeah, boys, that um, leads us nicely onto our first subject. Segway! Um, talking about a former young boys coach later in life, not in the 90s. That's talk about Christian Gross, who on the 20th of November 1997, as I said, we're covering a bit of last week. Isn't much else this week, so we're kind of in the middle. So this is kind of in the middle this week, last week in the 90s, if that makes sense. Um, he became Tottenham manager. In 1997, 20th of November 1997, um, former Grasshoppers manager, won two Swiss league titles and a Swiss cup at the time. Also managed a club called FC Ville in Switzerland. He succeeded Jerry Francis, who had fouled with uh, a plethora of expensive signings and injuries. Tottenham were in relegation trouble at this point. Francis left. And I think what Spurs tried to do is recreate what Arsenal had done with Arsene Wenger and hire a relatively unknown, which Christian Grace was at the time, a bit of a European flavour, European boss. Um, didn't go to plan. Um, first of all, before we talk about his press conference, let's go to the boys. Christian Grace, Matthew. Let's talk about Christian Grace. Well, I can't really, because I don't really remember a lot of what he did. But what I will say in his defence is, and I was thinking about this when we were said we were going to talk about it initially last week and then this week, but do you think it's fair to say... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing. Like, yeah, initially last week. But well, it was going to be last week. It was going to be last week. Scheduling problems behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, but do you think there was an element, or do you think it would be fair to say there was an element 
of snobbishness in English football back then in terms of foreign coaches, which doesn't exist now. I mean, obviously you had Wenger had come along and, and, and the doctor at Costa Villa. Yeah, I, don't, like, I, I think that he'd. Um, I think what had happened is it was an obvious case from Tottenham of keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, with Arsenal. Think, yeah. And as soon as he, he his his fate was sealed. The minute he held up that tube ticket, <laughs> yeah, okay. and that was it. And, and they had the easy target, and we'll get to that, obviously. But I don't think it was a snobbishness about foreign coaches at that time. I think it was just that the perception very quickly came that this guy was a joke. Yeah. Well, that yeah, and I yeah, okay. In fairness, he may not have been up to the job, but I, I just seem to think now. I mean, now if you get someone in from Switzerland or wherever, everyone seems to lap it up, and it's almost like unless you've got some kind of quirky foreign coach, you're not up with the Joneses whereas then I think these, they still had to win over a, a, a large element of, of English football which they don't now and, and well, I, think... I think I think the Arsenal influence had such a huge amount to do with it and regardless of sort of what the idea was behind it it just did very much look like Tottenham were aping whatever Arsenal were trying to do and, and whether they'd rushed into it or what I wrote down a list of sort of some other Peculiar coaches that Did um, you? Tottenham have had later on, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, earlier, Ozzy Ardiles. This is why we Jack played Joe the Big Bucks. Lasted, yeah. Jack Santini lasted 13 games. Yeah. One day Ramos. Won a cup. Hansen. One day Ramos won a cup at Tottenham. Did he? Yeah, he won well, the League Cup. Uh, and Vigas Boas. Yeah, as well. People forget yeah, that. But him, we're talking, yeah, but you're bringing that very much into the modern day. I mean, without doing the deep, deep research in-depth research that you've obviously done this week I'm thinking <laughs> back back when back when Christian call it in-depth mate I looked at Wikipedia <laughs> uh, it's more than I did it's our best um, friend um, but back then though I mean how many well, teams off, had, well, had so off well, the top of my head yeah. I can think of Dr. Joseph Vengloss at the Villa and then yeah she, but that was yeah but that was a good few that years was like 89 this. or something yeah, 89, yeah. 90 then you had Chelsea obviously had uh, Hullet and then Viali uh, there then Wenger, Christian Gross. Other than that, though, I think I think you're somewhat right there, Matthew. I think there's still kind of a bit of snobbery. Well, the English bosses are still the best, or British bosses were still the best. They didn't want to go down that route that early, and you know, it's like the England manager thing. It took them a very long time. I don't know. It's still up for debate whether we ever should have gone down the foreign route. But it was always like, well, no, we should always have an English manager. I think at that time, I think clubs still wanted a British manager to know, you know, to, so they know the British core, they know the passion and all that of the of the British supporters and the British game. Um, so I do think there was a degree of this, but as Joe alluded to, Christian Gross didn't help himself with the first moment of his Tottenham career in the press conference. As he mentioned, Joe, he, he was standing there gleaming, you know, answering questions and stuff. <laughs> and then for some bizarre reason, he must have thought this was a great idea at the beginning of his day. He whips out an underground tube ticket and says, I want this ticket to become my ticket to dreams. I came by underground because I wanted to know the way the fans feel coming to Spurs. I want to show them that I am one of them. The Which... thing is, right, on paper, that doesn't feel... That's a good idea, It's a I good think. PR I idea. I was going to say, every time anyone plays the O2 in London, don't they do the same? <laughs> Jay-Z, get the underground to the Greenwich or wherever it is. I mean, they yeah, all seem I to do it now. Have you ever been at a gig? This is a total tangent. Have you ever been at a gig where the people um, performing have come out and named the wrong town? Um, <laughs> well, you you have. I could, didn't Nelson well, Mandela yeah, do I that? Did, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I uh, ruined your thunder there. Well, I mean, I, no, I mean, I have, yeah. Um, I think we went to see Stevie Wonder and he declared, hello, London, and then 
in, we were in Manchester and implored us all to vote for Barack Obama. So that was good fun. We went to the Radio One Roadshow once at home in Middlesbrough, and um, Claire Sturgis, it was, God bless her, came jumping out on stage and went, "Hello, Sunderland," oh. as did as did Block Party as well. So I've got three of them. Yeah, people need to learn their job. I don't really remember. Do you know what? I don't think I'd even take it in at that point. It's that it's that Simpsons joke, isn't it? You know where Spinal Tap are on, and they, yeah. they, they go. Welcome to, and they pull the guitar away, and it says Springfield in huge letters on the back of yeah. it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. We thought they knew how to rock it. Yeah, I don't... Shelbyville. I don't recall. No, I don't recall that ever happening. Um, but I, th- I, 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 I see. Go on, so, Matthew. So I just think it's you know obviously we can mock now, and he obviously didn't do very well, and that's probably why we're mocking. But I just think now, if that happened, now, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Jurgen Klopp, but like when you know the way Klopp's embraced the whole that Liverpool was thing. You know, what he did though, that was such clever PR that. I mean, he's never been out drinking around Liverpool since, has he? You know what I mean? Well, he has. It's just not not publicly. Does he go, does he go out drinking around Liverpool? I mean, you hey, mostly yeah, fresh fields up near um, where he lives. Is that the wash end? Yeah, that's up near. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not going down Toxteth for it. Formerly in South, but but I mean, he's not he, going to drink test tubes down at I mean, I dare say he would if he if he could, but I think he knows if he did him in a in a nice way, he would be. Badgered to within an inch of his life, but it was I such a clever thing that though I thought when he did that. I, think, I still um, think he's doing it though. I think he's still in, embracing everything like that. But you know, and who's to say in ten? I mean, it depends, I suppose, on his success at Liverpool and whether he wins anything or what he wins. But I mean, are we going to look? Are people going to look back in twenty years' time and mock him for doing that in the mm. same way that I don't know? I think too, no, well, because he's a success. Yeah, I think that's the one well, he's not I was essentially. Say. Well, he's he's a, but he's more of a. He's not a failure. I think there's a combination of that. I think the fact that Christian Gross went on, and as we'll talk about in a second, not do very well at Tottenham. But also, I still think now we're a bit more accepting of it. The foreign manager is a hipster thing, and we like that crazy kind of manager. You know, look at Pep Guardiola. You know, he doesn't wear a typically, you know, what a manager should wear. In the 90s, I think we would have been a bit sceptical to that as well. And I think we're very much here. Look at this guy with a tube ticket. Who did he think he is? Um, I think there's a kind of mixture of both there. I When I was reading this, and I, as I've always thought... Do you ever, I mean, I sometimes do, when I'm on the tube, you look at someone across on you and think, oh, I wonder what, what day they've got to today. Where are they off to? What are they doing? And because he was so unknown at this point, that could have been Christian Gross yeah, on the tube. <laughs> That's the next he top manager. He looked very much like Ian Douglas Smith. So you might have been, Ian yeah. Duncan, Duncan Smith, sorry. Smith. It might have been, you exactly. might have been looking at Ian Duncan Smith. That's how forgettable he is. Yeah. <laughs> I was fascinated. Did Roy, did Roy Hodgson not get sort of ridiculed for doing something similar when he was, was he... I'm trying to think. Was he, was he, who was he managing when he got the he got a chew to a game, didn't he? He was chat, Fulham. chatting Fulham. to fans. Was that at Fulham? Fulham? I think that was at Fulham. Was it Fulham or England? Yeah. I thought it might have been England, might, but might it was probably England. Yeah, but whatever it, it was. Yeah. And, you know, and there's always that thing of you think well, you can't win there because if you get if you do that and try and be someone you know down with the people, you get slagged off. But then if you turned up in a car that cost two hundred grand, he would have got slagged off for that as well. So it's a can't win. It's a fine line, yeah. isn't it? Uh, well, the media also mocked his accent at the time as well, which was a kind of combi Swiss German accent. So the whole time they were mocking his accent. So I mean, Steve McLaren is no stranger to that as well, although he's a football genius. Um, but he didn't. I mean... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not letting that go. Steve McLaren, what football genius. Yeah, what eighth in the league? I texted you the other day, Ash. Eighth in the eight, league. Well, ninth now that Villa won at Sunday, but yeah. Oh, right, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see on the fifteenth, um, Mister Young. 
Um, 15th December, yeah. yeah. We'll probably lose. We, we generally lose at Loftus Road. Yeah. I found a really great interview with uh, John Scales about Christian Oh, Rose. I've got that quite as well, but go on, yeah. Is that today's Tottenham weather? Yes. <laughs> go ahead. John Scales turned around and, and said to... Uh, he said that Christian Gross had, had got them all in the dressing room before the game and said, today's Tottenham weather. We must not wave the white flag today. We must be strong. And in this interview, Scales turns around, you know, everybody's favourite Tim Lovejoy lookalike, turns around and says that everything is, you know, just they would go off and take the piss out of him. And they said they'd never known that at any other club. You know, they would either be scared or they would be scared to talk to each other about what they thought about the manager in case it lost them players or it turned into this or something. But at Tottenham, they just didn't give a shit. And and, and it turned around into... Yeah, this guy's a total joke. Yeah. I've had uh, many a drunken night with John Scales. I'll drop that name in. He's a lovely fellow. Oh, yeah, he used to do kids' football tournaments, and I used to go on as part of the media, and he was in charge you of the team. You weren't one of the kids. I could have got away with it, yeah. yeah. There are a couple of kids that were taller than me, but yeah, he's a, he's a lovely fella. Um, never, and he does look like Tim. He does look like love Tim. He's got great stories. Just doesn't want to come on this show, even though I pester him about it, but he does tell great stories. Um, as I said, it didn't go completely to plan for Christian Gross both in that press conference and then on the pitch. Well, uh, the first game, the first game is Palace, what, is it nil, Palace at home, yeah, got beat 1-0. And then they get thumped by Chelsea 6-1. The win at Everton. Yeah. The win at Everton 2-0 and then it's Chelsea. Yeah, and then they get thumped 4-0 at Coventry as well. Oh God, Coventry City. Yeah, there you go. And then even the return of Jurgen Klinsmann couldn't help them. He just scored. He scored three goals in his first four months, and it wasn't until mid-April with a draw at Barnsley that they went on a run uh, to keep them up. And Klinsmann getting that famous four goals in a six-two win. I've put in my notes over Germany. Clearly, they were. I don't know what I was thinking there. Over Wimbledon, not Germany. Um, the following season, Spurs lost first two of their three games, and Gross was sacked. And it, actually, in the press conference, Alan Sugar blames the media. He says, I, I think one has to say we were faced with an untenable situation created by the media and we felt that Christian, no matter how professional, how good of manager he is, has been destroyed. So he blamed the media for this whole mockery, starting with the shoe ticket, his accent and stuff. Complete get-out clause. Uh, David Pleat then came in as caretaker before George Graham and all that hurrah came in. And Gross spent I talked to um, Chas and Dave <laughs> about George Graham and they were deeply dismayed about him. They would have still Christian Gross, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, at the time, I mean, Chaz just died, but yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Chaz. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Poor old Aussie. Um, David Plate, as I said, replaced him. George Graham and Christian Gross went to spend 10 years as Basel manager, or Basel, as you want to pronounce it. Well, let's talk about that, because... Well, he was in charge when Basel played Middlesbrough in the UEFA Cup. was he? Yes, he was. And Basel took a 2-0 lead to the Riverside. And what happened? Uh, it was one of those, was that one of those one games. For yeah. one. It was one Yeah, it was Basel and Stour Bucharest. Yes, yeah. I remember them. Is that the Massimo Macaroni game or is that the next one? Or did he do both? No, he did it in both. Did he yeah. do it in both? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the way you were going to say I remembered them vividly, and then you've asked about three questions about. I've got something, I've got something in 2009 about what happened. And this is quite rubbish. What happened to poor Christian Gross? Go on, then. on the 17th of May, he was beaten up by a lot of FC Zurich fans whilst he was on train. And then he loved ten... to train that bloke, didn't he? Yeah, and then on the 27th of May, ten days later, he was sacked by Basel. So whether they wait for the black eye and the beatings to clear up and go, right, it's time for, you know, it's time for that to be all right now. We can get rid of him now. He's all right. You know, we'll oh. pay him off. That's it. But yeah, so that was 2009 for Christian Gross. And, you know, God bless. But I tell you what, if I would be more than happy to have managed 
Veal, Grasshoppers, Spurs, Basel, Stuttgart, Young Boys. Yeah, he's had a decent career. Uh, Al Ali, and he's currently at Zamalek, which yeah, he's still you think about, you know, we've just mentioned Andre Villas-Boas. He hasn't got a club. Yeah. And and yeah, that's a weird one, know, isn't it? He was flavoured in the month a, for a while. And then mm. um, Egg Olsen, there's another one from the 90s at Wimbledon. Holy smokes. Yeah. He's funny Wellington boots. after That went wrong for them, didn't it, after the joke in here. Yeah. Egg Olsen, bloody hell. <laughs> Did he sign John Hartson? Was it him? Can't remember. Not a clue. Random. That was a weird signing. I was on my paper round at that point. Yes, the paper round. Um, let's talk 23rd of November 1990. I've missed the year off on my notes. God, these notes are terrible, but it was on 1994. It's, um, this is a complete fable of 90s football. It's one of the most famous stories of the decade. I don't think it could happen now. I'm sure it couldn't happen now. The story of Ali Deer. Now, if anyone doesn't know this story, <laughs> in, in, who's listened to this podcast, then I'm, I'm surprised because it's, it's such a famous story. The, the, the summary of it is that Graham Soonis, who was Southampton manager at the time, bit of an injury crisis, looking around for, for players um, to, to boost his attack, got a call from a man pretending to be George Weir, who told him that his cousin, in averted commas, played for PSG and had 13 caps and was looking for a new club in England. So Soonis, being the gullible man that he was at the time, uh, decided to, to invite Dyer to, or Dia to the Southampton training ground, signed him on a one-month deal, um, and then proceeded to play him, not even in a reserve game, but in a game against Leeds, not realising that it was all a big hoax. And this bloke, Ali Deer, was just enrolled in a course at Portsmouth and never heard of George Weir. George Weir had never heard of him. And it was a bit old ruse by the uh, the striker. He'd last been playing for Blythe Spartans up in Newcastle. And it showed on his debut. Um, Matthew, Ali Deer? Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to wonder why or how it... It happened because it's not like Soonis to uh, sign up a load of old Crocs or has beens, is it? So, um, you know, I, don't, I wonder how this one slipped through the net, really. I mean, it is defence. Southampton were in a pretty bad uh, run of injuries. They were down to the bare bones, as, as Harry Redknapp would say. Um, so maybe it really was just a case of, well, we'll throw anyone on. I mean, it's happened before and it's worked out well. I mean, you know. Roy God bless Mark, Mark, Mark Robbins and Roy S. You know, I mean, it has happened and it's worked uh, works out for the best, but obviously this one didn't. But what, what's interesting is if you if you read the story about how he – it wasn't just Southampton. I mean, Southampton was about the third or fourth club yeah, on, I on his list. Of, uh, yeah. He tried Gillingham and, and a couple of other clubs and they've basically gone, who is this guy, you know, you know get, get out of town. And he's uh, – Fifth time lucky, he rocked up at Southampton and got away with it. But um, I was reading about it and they were saying how it was clearly evident that when he was training at clubs, I think it was Chillingham and there was a couple of others, weren't there? And, Paul Vow, uh, I've got written down, yeah. Yeah, and the, the players now, I suppose with the benefit of hindsight, they, they all said, oh, no, he was useless. But usually usually ex-pros can tell a, a, a pro or, or pros can tell a, a a fellow pro and from everything I've read they all said this guy was nowhere near standard including Matt Letizio who he replaced did he not on that yeah, day yeah, yeah he did yeah, came on for it. well and, yeah and then he got substituted yeah I'm surprised Letizio didn't come back on to replace him mm. from, what, from what I read but yeah it was I, I always wondered whether he actually intended it to be a hoax or he really just thought he could he could steal a career in in football I mean he's never said has he and he sort of I'd love him. I'd love to get him on this show. That would be a, a, a guest and a half, wouldn't it? But no one seems to have heard of him for many a times. He did, he has apparently got a, a 
business course degree from Newcastle. He graduated in 2001, according to the great state of Wikipedia. But um, no one knows what he's doing now. Joel, could this happen in 2019? I don't think it could, could it? I, I very much doubt it. I mean, the thing that I always wonder about is, you know, soon as give the quote later on, you know, he was no player. Uh, well, why didn't you see that in training? Yeah. What were you watching, Graham? Yeah, like, was he even there? What was he doing? You know, and and the thing, the, he does have a chance to score. And yeah. I'm like, and if he scores in that game, what does that become? Does that just become another nobody who scored a goal? No, a three-year contract, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. What does that become if he if he gets that chance that that he if he taps that in? Does he become sort of somebody who just played for Southampton for a bit and that was the end of that? I, I kind of think it's an interesting story in that it's somebody, you know, we, we should sort of admire that kind of blagging, really. Well, this, is what, this is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I said, I jokingly said Mark Robbins and what have you. I mean, obviously, good young players, but I mean, there are players that have sort of, I mean, I'm trying to be polite, but, you know, there are players, journeyman players that have, Robbed made a career. career, yeah. Well, yeah. even that's a bit harsh, but you know, I mean, maybe he could have, maybe maybe not in the Premier League, but I mean, who was to say he couldn't have banged in a few goals? Although saying that, he did go. To, he went to Gateshead, didn't he? And, was it, it was and Blythe Spartans, yeah. yeah. And he, he played yeah. both he, lower leagues in Finland and France. Apparently, he ended up getting a thousand pound contract. At, was it Blythe or was it Gateshead? Or he went somewhere after Southampton and ended up getting a bit of a. A, a juicy contract. Southampton paid him about two grand, didn't they? Plus yeah. ex- hotel expenses. So he obviously made the most of the minibar. But um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, part of me wants to wants to commend him on on his efforts. And um, you know, we've all like, like you say, Roy Essendon. There's always been those stories of players that have written off for trials and pestered clubs and said, "Give me a chance," and it's worked out for the best. So who's to say? It couldn't have been different. Yeah. He lasted 52 minutes in that game. Um, Matt Letizia said after the game, his, pro- his performance was comical. He didn't really have a position and just wandering around everywhere. Yeah, but he's just denied that he got sub for him. Probably. Oh, he said he was injured, but I don't think he knew well, he I, 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 I've seen Letizia play less than 52 minutes in a game before and he was on for the whole match. Yeah, well, you know I mean? Matt Letizia is like the Paul Heyman of uh, football. He's a myth. So we'll talk about that another time. Um, as much as I love Letizia, consistency was never his game. Um, uh, this, the, what, what made me laugh is that the Sunday Mirror broke this story two weeks later uh, of the, him being a charlatan, basically. And Graham still, the quote at the time, still he doesn't seem to get what had happened. Because um, he said he cost us a couple of grand for two weeks' wages. It, it's not broken our hearts. We certainly don't feel hard done by. He was an international player, so we gave him a go. But he didn't impress much and now left the club. No, he wasn't, Graham. <laughs> he wasn't an international player. That was the point, Mr. Souness. But yeah, he goes down in folklore. You mentioned Harry Redknapp there, Matthew. He actually was touted around at West Ham. So if Harry Redknapp wasn't even duped by him, I don't know how Graham Souness was duped by him. Um, talking of Redknapp, um, Joe, how's he doing on um, I'm a Celeb? Oh, you know what? I've changed my tune on him. I really oh, like no. him. And, and I've, I've hated Harry Redknapp for probably 20-something years. But no, he's really good. He's really likeable. Him and Noel Edmonds are really good fun. Oh, God, I love it. It's been good. It's been, <laughs> good fun. It's been a very good series. And I was watching it on, what night was it? I can't remember. But it was, you know, one of those moments when you kind of think, what am I watching? Harry Redknapp, Noel Edmonds, dressed as gladiators. No, well, no, because Noel, Noel Edmonds came in and as the emperor, the emperor yeah. of the jungle. And then he made um, Harry his second in command. So, you know, 
it was good. No, it's been really good, and he's been he's come across as really sort of likable and funny and loves his wife. Fine, yeah. Can I ask Joe why have you never liked Harry Redknapp before? I think he, I think probably because he was West Ham manager. Um, I think which is you know that that'll upset Sid, and I do apologise, but he does <laughs> know my he does know my feelings on this. Um, and I think as a Northern man, I think West Ham sort of epitomise everything that is Cockney and West Ham. Terrible, yeah, West Ham, West Ham, everything that's like sort of that you hate about London. You try, try losing two league titles there, then you'll uh, you like them even oh, more, mate. Well, it's it's funny, you know. We got that again. I was talking about you know the other day, the day that Manchester United came to Middlesbrough, we just gave them the gave them the league title because we were happy to do so. You know, G- Gary Walsh Day, as I like to call it. Yeah, Gary Walsh Day. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, because it would be nice. That's exactly what I was talking about. Actually, Gary Walsh. Gary Walsh Day. Actually, Gary Walsh is other great moment came at West Ham where he came out with the shots on backwards. There you go. There's one for the bingo card kids. I, I never um, really had a problem with West Ham until they moved grounds and then they made that big horrible show of affection at the end of the season for the uh, for Upton Park because they started calling it a bowling ground that season again just for nostalgia. Yeah. And they, there was this show and dance. It was on Sky Sports. They were all crying that they left. And it was like, well, you chose to leave. Why are you? Why are you making this song and dance about it? And that really annoyed me. So, well, yeah. I think yeah, that, that was just after they trashed the United team coach as well. Wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got an irrational. I think that I annoyance. think that people above sort of fan levels cho- chose to leave. You know, everything. What they've tried to do, and I do feel a lot of sympathy with West Ham for this, is that they've tried to transform West Ham into some sort of Arsenal. Tottenham, and that's not to say that Arsenal and Tottenham are soulless clubs because they're certainly not. But what what I think they have purposely tried to do is wipe out all that East End past from the club um, and turn them into something else. This is why they've added London to the badge. Um, oh, we did that. For, we did that for a while. Under oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And, and, are you accusing them of being phonies, Joe? I'm accusing them of trying to become the all-encompassing London club. I think, and I think in order to to become a new club to, you know, and we've all got to entice new fans, but you can't tell me that it wasn't a better idea for Tottenham Hotspur to have that ground. It's just Nobody will convince me of that. It's ripped their slight, whatever it annoys you about West Ham, it was their identity, wasn't it? And I think that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, and they want that, they want that, that closeness. That, yeah. that, they are really a community club and you can kind of understand why people wanted to you know, take it up and push it up the next level, but there's no excuse to throw the baby out the bathwater with West Ham. And in that res- in that respect, I had a great deal of sympathy for their fans because they felt like the identity of the club has been completely stripped away, and it might be coming back slowly, but that's probably going to take ten years to come back. Whereas, you know, we've talked about this before, and here, you know, and we talked about this with Sid actually. In that, for Middlesbrough, moving stadiums was a great big adventure, and wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> I was waiting for the cough. Yeah, well, you know. Um, but for West Ham, they didn't want to move. They didn't want to go there. Their identity was was put into Upton Park. You know, it's mad. And and then my mate went and made a film where they blew Upton Park up with the help of Dave Batista. So you That's, know, have you seen the film? I've not seen it yet. No. Oh, it's yeah. My mate wrote it. I know it's garbage, but John <laughs> but, knows. It. I mean, John knows garbage, it's garbage. But it's great. My friend garbage. Jonathan Frank, who wrote the film, who's from Middlesbrough. It is. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping to talk to Dave Batista because the DVD's coming out. I'm hoping to talk to Dave Batista for it. So I can't wait for the film where they blow up the Riverside Stadium. That would be. <laughs> be you have to wait about 120 years, mate. I mean, that's the thing. 
what your problem is? Do you want to go and blow up Pride Park? Do you want to go and blow up the 365? I mean, no, because do, those so stadiums wouldn't have existed. If you hadn't moved, none of those lot would have done the same thing. Well, actually, we've had stadium, this conversation before. Our stadium and the 365 and the... Um, what was the other one I said? 365? Pride Park. Or, uh, oh, Pride yeah, they're all the, yeah, they're they're all the they're same. All exactly same the same. They're all exactly the same design, except, of course, we've got the corners in because we can get more fans in. <laughs> anyway, before we get to that argument again, let's have a quick note and go back to the 25th of November, 1993. Um, this is a bit, I don't know, I didn't, this is something that happened, I always remember it happening, but I didn't think we'd ever talk about it, but I wanted to quickly mention it. Um, it's one of the, the first real major clashes I remember of between two players are becoming quite, public at the time um, it's in a game between Spurs and Wimbledon and a clash between Gary Mabbott the Tottenham captain at the time and John Fashionu who would later go on to, to coin the phrase a wooga lots of times on Saturday Night TV uh, there's a clash between the two where they go out for the ball and an elbow we know how Wimbledon were I'm not going to say it was intentional but the elbow was flying in it goes into Gary Mabbott's face he is out for the count goes off and I always remember the pictures the next day of this of him in hospital because he went straight to hospital the bruising the swelling on his eye socket he actually ended up with a fractured skull and a broken eye socket and it was it became quite nasty quite public um one of the really first it was legal action was considered until that they made up i just it it really took me back to to that time i don't know what you guys remember of this of this clash um coming to you first joe well i mean (laughs) He nearly, they nearly went to court about it, didn't yeah. they? It, it got like really nasty, yeah. Two hours of surgery, he nearly lost his eye, he had a broken cheekbone, he was. He had a metal plate in his face, he was wearing the, um, you know, the Undertaker mask over his face <laughs> for quite a long time. And there was a there was a really interesting interview that I read while I was looking into this, and, and at the time he was sort of full of regret and remorse, but then later on, he, he was kind of rationalising it as being necessary for Wimbledon to survive. And you're kind of like, oh, God, really, was it? You know? And Yeah, I, I think that sums it all up, to be honest. I think there's a lot of romance around that Wimbledon team, which, don't get me wrong, it was one of the biggest stories of our lifetime in terms of what they achieved. But I don't think you can uh, underestimate the amount of violence that yeah. surrounded that it team. Get I, mean, they, I mean, well, no, I mean, I, I'm all up for good hard tackles and you know i mean don't get don't get me wrong at all but i do think a lot of nastiness was uh sort of glossed over with wimbledon you know, who I mean, would you, you gotta... say i mean their sort of equivalent right now in the premier league it's probably bournemouth who play, oh. who play no, lovely I'm football not, not in terms of a club that probably shouldn't be up there i mean, I mean yeah i'd say it was probably before well I mean, a couple of years ago it was Maybe even Stoke a couple of years ago, but even then, it's a, it's a million miles apart because Wimbledon really, really just went out every game to upset the odds. And, and again, I've got every time for that. I mean, the '88 Cup Final was one of the most incredible things those of us that remember it ever saw. And they, you know, they went to Old Trafford regularly and got results. They went to Anfield regularly, well, you know, on the odd occasion got results. Whoever the big team was at the time. They nearly cost Arsenal the league in '89. If you remember the penultimate game, they drew two-two, and all, all those they, they got incredible results. But I think they were generally a nasty bunch of people, and yeah. uh, you know, bordering on bullies and thugs, and even within their own uh, group. You know, I mean, you, I mean, I don't want to be too <laughs> not controversial, but I mean, they've 
there was a nastiness in the changing rooms. You know, there was that. I mean, you can only ask your mate John Scales. I can only <laughs> I can only imagine how he must have felt in that team. I mean, obviously he was quite you know he was a successful player, but I just think there was an element there that it it almost crossed the line a lot of the times. And and that's it's funny because at the time I liked everything they did, but looking back, there was a great documentary on BT Sport a few years ago about yes, that eighty eight team. Yeah. And you know they do they did come across as a horrible bunch of people really not not maybe not individually but it was just ingrained in them to just be horrible and do whatever you could be in, yeah yeah win at all costs type thing and but, you, yeah. yeah and I mean who's, who am I to say that's wrong and and you know say that eighty-eight Cup final they wouldn't have won that if there hadn't been that that group of, of players and you know that infamous Vinnie Jones on. Steve McMahon, even though McMahon gave Jones a dig in the eye on the way down, and you know, I don't think Liverpool were as bullied in that final as people like to think they were. Um, but you know, it's I'm I'm split really because they were. I think they were a bunch of horrible thugs at times, and but they their story was incredible. But I think what happened with this flash new challenge or whatever you want to call it, I think that was a, a huge hangover from from those old Wimbledon days and it was it was it was strange because it it was the first time really that that sort of era the, the two eras of football had, had sort of crossed over I think and, and it, you know it, it was a real shock to the system because you you had the Premier League with its all its sort of glitz and, and glamour and, and everything was was great and then suddenly you had somebody you know smashing someone's face in which you know whether we whether he meant it or not we will never we'll never know but I, I think that there was a lot of that stemmed from Wimbledon about 10 years prior maybe maybe 20 yeah I'm with you on the romantic thing I remember when they went down was it 1990,000 I think and ev- and, yeah. and everyone I remember a group even my mates at the time were always wanted them to stay up and I didn't really care if they went down and they were like oh no and I was just I've never really bought into the whole maybe I was a little bit late in terms of age because I, I don't re- obviously don't really remember the 88 cup final um I just yeah, I'm, I've never really, I never bought into that, and I never really liked playing Wimbledon, and never really, they got some great well, results. That, so I remember that. Well, that's the whole point, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't get me wrong; they were, for, for what they achieved, you probably never ever see that ever again. I don't. Well, no, you probably won't, to be honest. But the way they achieved it, I think, was questionable. But then they would say, well, it was all for fair game then, and I suppose it was. But I think, like I said, I think this was the first case of say the old and the new, and Mabbott was no spring chicken you know he'd, he'd obviously played against those kind of guys before but I think this was uh, sort of magnified it somewhat and that's why there was the sort of public outrage about it I think mm. those, I just, those pictures I just think I just as soon as I saw it it was like being zoomed back to that year I was just like I remember those pictures always always remember as well when Gary Mablet's mentioned at any point in any article he has to mention the fact that he has diabetes he was I, I don't know why <laughs> that, why that's a thing well, he's going to be one of the most unlucky footballers ever. I mean, he had his face smashed in. He scored an own goal in a cup final. He did. Didn't he? A couple of week, a couple of months ago, he had his toe eaten by a rat, didn't he? Did he? What? Yeah. There was a story about how he was... Uh, Is this some... a dream that you've had? No. I will find the story. He was staying somewhere and uh, he, he, was, he had some flesh-eating encounter. And he, he always seems to be one of those very unlucky people. So you know? you're right. In, yeah. In, right. in South Africa. Yeah. Um, what a random story. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. But, I also noticed looking at the um, the formation on the day, it was a one-one draw for 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 the records. Nick Barnby and Dean Holdsworth getting the goals, but um, no, what, nothing wrong with Nick Barnby. No, but he was playing the false nine because he wasn't really ever an out-and-out striker, was he, Nick Barnby? But Tottenham looked like he was were... always in the Juninho. Yeah, but he was yes. playing up front on his own, so it was a bit of the false nine. I don't think Vinnie Samways, David Howes and Mickey Hazard are the, quite the Iniesta or Xavi and Busquets. <laughs> but still, it was definitely a, a formation there. So yeah, that was 90, uh, 25 November 1993. If you've never seen that tackle, it is a, one hell of an elbow as John Fashion. Do you know what? I tried to find it and it's very hard to find. Yeah, it is quite I, The actual footage, I don't think you can see. So I don't know what I'm telling Have you to do. Have we mentioned that John Fashanu, <laughs> John Fashanu is the host of Dylan or Dylan Nigeria now? <laughs> We must have done because I yeah. I smiled when you said it, so he must have done. He did that you horrible um, uh, coach. Was he a coach or a manager? TV show later, didn't he? Oh, Fash FC. Fash yeah, FC. But... That was terrible. I think. God. Yeah. And, and Gladiators, of course. Obviously, you know, your favourite. Yeah, I love a bit of Gladiators, but yeah, and he, you know, he even he was better than Jeremy Gascott later on in Gladiator history. Gascott, yeah, yeah, the rugby man. Yeah, he, yeah. He didn't even I say a word. I was surprised to discover that um, Ulrika Johnson is a big fan of Brexit. No. Today, which sort of shocked me a bit, you know, because you actually found that out today. I found that out today, yeah, because <laughs> the BBC have done a thing with her having an argument with Tom Daly's husband about it. So yeah. Another, what an eventful that. day you must have. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've had two interviews today, and they were both a disaster. I, honestly, yeah, I'm very tired. I just learned that Gary Mabbit had his foot eaten, and that Ulrika Johnson is arguing on TV with Tom Daly's husband. It's a very strange. What did world. I just say? Did you not listen to what I just said? Yeah, that's what I just said. No, that's why I'm recalling what I've just learned. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can't believe you didn't hear about the Gary Mabbit foot incident. Yeah. I know. I'm, I don't care have, about that, really. I must have missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> must have missed that one. And that she's a Brexit supporter. Yeah, I get that as well. And, and next week's guest is Gary Mabbit. We don't Gary Mabbit's coming on. No politics on this show. Um, a few things we did miss. Um, we've talked about a couple of these before. Twenty uh, second of October, 90, uh, November ninety five. Look, the Lasso Batty squabble, which I think we talked about on our Champions League. About that. Yeah, yeah. Episode yeah. Um, 23, uh, 23rd of November ninety three. Graham Taylor resigned. We talked about the San Marino game a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, we did. Duncan Ferguson to Newcastle, twenty fourth of November nineteen ninety eight. Quite a big sign in, random at the time. I always remember it, and he scored. Um, I think it was on his debut against Man United. Was that Matthew? Do you remember? I remember Duncan Ferguson on Sky scoring against. One of his first couple of games, but yeah, can't 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 put a finger on it. Uh, Paul Merson's uh, meltdown in front of the cameras. Go back to our uh, scandals episode way back into the archive. We talked about that. And Barcelona three, Manchester United three. Twenty fifth of November, nineteen ninety eight. Great game in the Champions League. There, um, we were going to talk about Eric Cantona now, but we've already done it. So um, I think we've. Well, got... I've got a question for you. Go on. Do you? Everyone says, "Oh, cancel that Cantona signing was the." the moment that everyone remembers, like the JFK moment of football. Is that true? Do you remember where you were when you heard that Eric Cantona signed to Manchester United? I remember where I was when he kicked the dude. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't remember where he signed. I don't remember I don't, when he signed, but I, don't I think remember it was hearing a... about the kicking. Yeah. I think in hindsight, it's like that. I, I think yeah, at the time, I think it was I very much a United-centric yeah, piece because of news, really. At the sign, it was like, oh, that's a... I think it was an interesting signing, because although Cantona had won the league at Leeds. He wasn't imperative to that side. He, he added a, a bit more. He'd obviously started that season off on fire because he's got a hat-trick in the uh, charity shield. 
and he looked like he could be some player and we'd obviously seen what he'd done in France but when we United signed him I, th I remember thinking it was a good signing but I didn't know it would go on to obviously trigger um... I don't think anybody did though yeah it's, you're not going to turn around and say oh my god it's not like they were signing Eric Cantona if that makes sense yeah that's the well, well I, I beg to differ because I was around at my grand and granddad's house that night or that afternoon yeah, and on. no well I, I was <laughs> going to bring you back it. to but I am um, there was a knock at the door and it was a school friend of mine and he didn't know where my grand and granddad lived. He must have gone to my mum and dad's house to tell me the news because he had an evening paper around, Ash. And, uh, oh, and he, was, he, he was sent quickly, promptly round to my grand and granddad's house to, to, to find me to tell me the news. And he knocked on the door and said, you know, I thought something awful had happened. And uh, it was because he said, oh, cancer has signed for United, have you heard? And... Uh, yeah, but he did change a hell of a lot. I mean, do you remember how poor United were at the start of that season? They lost the first three games. They didn't win until that, well, they drew at Southampton, didn't they, D on Dublin? And he just sort of galvanised everything and changed everything. And I did actually have a bet on United at 4-1 to one after the game before Cantona signed. United won away at Arsenal 1-0, Mark Hughes scored. And I backed United at 4-1 to one, and then Cantona signed and changed everything. Is there a shout-out to be done about uh, big football news delivered un in unusual ways? Because, I, you know, I've talked about this quite a lot, about finding out, although finding out from television that you've signed a football player isn't too unusual, but I've always talked about this about the day we signed Ravinelli and yeah. Desmond Lyman interrupted Wimbledon to turn, to turn around and that. tell us yeah. that Ravinelli was good because he had grey hair. So whether, the, you know, and you've had, what, Cantona, the Cantona news delivered... By Stuart Lovelock. Yeah, he came round to my grandma's house to knock, bang the door down to tell me that Cantona has signed for United. Yeah, so is, there, is, there, is that a shout-out? How shout unusual out. ways you found, you found out? I've actually that. got one, actually. I've got a bit of a rap. It's, not, it's, it's creeping into the 2000s. I was in college... I can't remember what lesson I was in, one of my media lessons, and somebody else who I knew on camera. Media lessons, actually? Yeah, I did. Yeah, must I did. have gone well. I went, yeah, media studies, I did, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. You're the I... only man ever to get any sort of job. Yeah, that. I know. Yeah, and it wasn't just a DOS. It, just, it did actually learn something. Um, a, a friend of mine did, who was doing drama at the time, who, who's now not in drama, um, ran to the classroom with a note up against the window of the classroom to tell me that Mikkel Beck had just signed on loan from Middlesbrough to keep him. Oh, you've trumped Joe, eh? Joe, do you, do you remember I where mean, this you is were something that, day, this yeah. is something that passed me by completely. <laughs> I always thought he left us and went to Derby. Maybe it was Derby. Maybe it was Derby he was on loan from. Yeah, I think it was actually. But yeah. I don't know, mate. I mean, the, the, the loss this... of Mikkel Beck isn't a big one for me. Why yeah, was, was this guy so Derby. excited about, about was... Mikkel Beck? I think he was taking the Michael out of it because he was he's not a QPR fan, he's an Arsenal fan, so I think he was actually He was laughing. taking the Mickle. Yeah, did I say Michael? Um, <laughs> the Mickle, um, out of the fact that, yeah, we'd signed, you know, Mickle Beck, who would never really pulled up too many trees at Middlesbrough, is that fair to well, say? He, well, Mickle Beck would have been all right had it not been for uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli absolutely destroying his confidence at every single Yeah, option. he wasn't very Which good at QPR. He would have been... He would have been I think he would have been all right, but I mean, you have to see it to believe it. I mean, um, because Ravinelli was surrounded by, you know, some really brilliant players and some really, I would say, born average players, God bless us, at that time. Um, he just didn't want to know. And he just basically, unless it was Janino or Emerson, he hated you. Mm. I mean, it's a famous story about the punch-up on the day of the FA Cup final and all that business. Um, 
but yeah. Um, he had a great 90s haircut, though, did he not? Got all curtains. Back with all, yeah. Blonde curtains. Blonde yeah. curtains. Yeah. Yeah. And he played for Denmark. And, yeah. you know. Ian Walker's still rocking those curtains, isn't he? Bless him. Mm. Um, going back to your original, original point there, Matthew, I, I would argue that the bigger JFK moment for the Premier League as a whole was Burkamp. Maybe Klinsman. Really? Yeah, I think yeah. profile-wise, maybe even Klinsman. Yeah. Pat- oh, yeah, in hindsight, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I don't think anyone... It's a bit like people... You know how people sort of reinvent history just to back their points up? Now, I can. I did remember when Cantona signed, but then I was, go- I, was a huge, I was going home and away, and I was watching United everywhere. So, obviously, one of my mates was going to say, oh, have you heard? But I don't, for a minute pretend that people were stopping each other on the street and going oh have you heard that Cantona signed for United because I don't think it was that it obviously was a big deal in hindsight but it wasn't I don't think at the it time was, it, it was, was a punt wasn't yeah, it it was a yeah. bit of a I don't think people... well I remember I remember he signed for United and then United had Benfica away in a, in a sort of a testimonial game or a, a friendly game and then the first game he uh, played for United was against City on the Sunday and I was stood outside the ground. And anyone that remembers Old Trafford, where the away coaches park now, is where the uh, players used to park. And they used to walk across Warwick Road, which is now the uh, Matt Busby Way. And they just used to walk through the crowd. And I remember that stood there with my mate Floddy and going, there's Cantona, there's that fellow that's just signed for you. And he walked through in the like one of those. Mate, we've all seen the video where... Um, yeah, know. the, 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 the uh, behind the scenes, yeah, when they're driving in on that... You know, the... Did you ever see the captain's log video? Oh, right. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they used to park across the way there, and I, I was stood there with my mate Floody. I said, "There's that new, there's that fella Cantona." Just I, and he walked through, and and we, me and Floody, the only one two that recognised him, and we just put our hands out and said, oh, "Hello, Eric, welcome." And he shook hands and nodded at us and walked straight into the players' lounge. And you just think how bizarre it. I mean, can you imagine that now? But yeah, even then, even then, it was a, it was all a bit of a. Whereas even if uh, even then if I, I think if Jurgen Klinsmann had walked through I think he'd have been crowded. That's, yeah. that's the difference I have in my head that he was a superstar already. Whereas Eric Cantona, we wouldn't know that he would go. No, he do. became a superstar. Yeah. What was your yeah. what was your your years fact that you said before we start recording, Joel? Let's finish on that. My years fact. The twenty six. It's been twenty six years. Oh yeah, it's been twenty six years since um, United signed Cantona, and then it was twenty six years since they'd won the league with him. So yeah, there we if go. that makes sense. Symmetry, everybody. we called that. Um, yeah. Very nice. For more facts like that and more, Joel, where can people get in touch with you on the social? Well, um, it was quite a good week on top of the pops because at the minute it's uh, the communards. Don't leave me this way, which Don't is being number one. Leave me this Very way. good. I'm friends with the good Reverend, you know, oh, Reverend okay. Richard Coles. Yeah, he's he's my pal. Oh, that's him. Of course, he was on Strictly last year, wasn't he? Of course. Yeah. Yes, he was. I had three friends on Strictly this year. Last Look at year, him, this year I only had one. <laughs> no, last year was Simon. Obviously, we talked about that. Simon Rimmer already, um, and the Reverend Richard Coles and Ruth Langsford. Whereas this year was only Vic Hope. That I know, I don't know, anything, oh, okay, I don't know anybody okay. else. Um, uh, Joel Baby Herc, yeah, come say hello. Um, it, it's it's lovely, and we're doing our we're doing another wrestling podcast. I was about to say, and, yeah, and I think your plug for a, a brand new wrestling show that people should listen to if they're into the the graps, as we're going to call it. Where can where can people find this? Oh, that's at wo underscore pod. I just want to tell everybody if you aren't wrestling, we, me and Ash have both had to watch watch six hours of awful wrestling, so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're going to do this tomorrow, but God alive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit traumatised. Yeah, Starcade 83. Wow, that's all I'm oh, going to say. Oh, fuck. I mean, and that's swearing. Yeah. You know? 
it's worth the swearing. Uh, Matthew, you you haven't watched any WCW from the eighties, which you're very low NWA, I should say. So, but where can people GCP find you? And, oh. No, I haven't watched wrestling since the late uh, late nineties. I don't think. Yeah, when we do, bit, our... bit like bit like football, really. As mm. soon as it got to the late nineties, I lost interest. Unless there's a free bar and a three course meal involved, or a bet, go and, pa- uh, go and Paddy Power, they don't wrestling. Or a bet, or yeah, Paddy Power bet fair. Yeah, drop a name name in there. Yeah. And you can find all my tipping advice at Matthew J. Christ. J for James. J for James. There we go. We, we found that at the top of the show. What we've learned a lot tonight. Um, see, education and football. That's what you get with AK90s. Follow the show at AK90s on Twitter and AK90s pod on Instagram. I'm at Ashrose UK, but the show is far more important. Subscribe, share, all that nonsense. Do it for us because we'll keep the show going for your pleasure. I've been Ash Rose. They've been the boys. This has been Alive and Kicking. Until next time, keep it 90s. Alive.